My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. It's a beautiful, while at the same time challenging part of priesthood to hear on any given week some of the real burdens and challenges and crosses that people are struggling with. For example, he's only in his early 40s and he got some really bad news that he wasn't expecting from his doctor. And to say he's anxious is truly an understatement. She and her sisters cannot even look at each other anymore. They're that angry. It's gone from a disagreement that no one imagined would be a big deal to giving a cold shoulder, to a blow-up after their father's funeral, and now the only way that they even talk to each other is through a lawyer. Or he still can't believe that he got fired from his job, not laid off, not had his job or position cut, but actually fired. Was he perfect? No, but it didn't warrant this. It's like they were looking for a reason to get rid of him, and objectively speaking, it sure seems that way. Or they're struggling. Neither one of them knows when their relationship went from being something that was life-giving to simply hard work, and they don't know if they can take it anymore. He's been legitimately trying. He's actually gone to class this semester and done his homework and he's still failing. 
In the week of a priest, you could hear countless variations of these stories. The names, the faces, the details can vary, but it's just reality striking again. Life can be extremely hard. And no doubt every one of us could fill in the blanks with names and faces and details that each of us know or perhaps are even going through ourselves. These are some of those intentions that we hold in our hearts and we call in silence for that moment that we pause in the, the prayer of the faithful that never seems long enough to fill them all in. And there's something about hearing these stories, knowing these realities exist in mid-December that seems extra wrong, as if we should be able to, to lodge a complaint somewhere with a customer service rep for the Lord to remind him that this is supposed to be a, a sadness-free zone through his birthday. We can negotiate whether we get the full 12 days of Christmas, but at least a couple. And as you get older, as you've gone to a hospital or a nursing home on Christmas Day, you realize that whether it's the Christmas season or not, whether you're the most devout of believers or an atheist who's trying to fit in by saying happy holidays, the reality of bad things happening to all people, good, bad, and somewhere in between, is just that. It's just a reality we have to acknowledge. And it's a reality that's awful. And this past week, just sitting with my own list of names and faces and details during a holy hour and praying with this gospel reading, the realization of how no one is immune to the harshness of life seemed to hit home a bit harder, particularly with this gospel that we just heard with the story about John the Baptist. Because listen to that line that John asks of Jesus. Are you the one who's to come? Or should we look for another? It's kind of a big deal because we have to remember a few things about John. First of all, John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. Remember when their, their two mothers, Elizabeth and Mary, met as they were pregnant with these two baby boys. What happened? John leapt in the womb of Elizabeth. The future prophet was already recognizing that in Jesus, God was coming into the world in a dramatically new, history-shifting way. Now fast forward a, a few decades, and Scripture tells us that John has given his life to proclaiming God's Word to his people, calling people to, to prepare the way of the Lord, to repent, to turn away from their sins, to receive the baptism of repentance in the Jordan River. And when cousin Jesus comes to the river one day, looking for this baptism, John hesitates, knowing that Jesus is mightier than he is, even arguing John should be baptized by Jesus. John the Baptist relents. Jesus can be pretty convincing. And as he baptizes Jesus, the sky breaks into two. The Spirit descends upon Jesus and oh yeah, the voice of God the Father is heard saying, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. How awesome a moment. What greater validation could John have ever experienced that Jesus was truly the One, the Son, the Lord, the Messiah, the One 
all humanity was waiting for. So with all that in mind, we come to today's gospel and you get a completely different side of things. John has a a group of people who has been following him, listening to John preaching in this exciting, convincing manner that the Lord was coming. And he sends these friends to go to Jesus and ask him a question. A question he can't ask himself because he's imprisoned and being chained and tortured and has his life in the hands of a tyrant who will ultimately decide to behead him because of the bizarre request of a woman who basically gave the tyrant a lap dance. The question John asks his friends to ask Jesus, are you the one who's to come? Or should we look for another? John the Baptist, who Jesus will say after hearing that question, there's been none greater than this prophet. Gives voice to all our fears, all of our doubts, all of our discouragements. In all of our countless trials and all the extremes that we encounter in life, when we can easily feel helpless and hopeless, That question from John can speak to those feelings. Jesus, this is not supposed to be this hard, this difficult. Jesus, it's hard to believe in you when all these rough things are happening to my friends and my relatives or to me. Jesus, are you the one who's to come? John the Baptist's humanity comes out as he's sitting in this cell, and he's experiencing a dark night of his soul. But rather than seeing this as a lapse of faith, it's kind of the exact opposite. Because he asks the question, and that tells us that John hasn't given up his faith in Jesus. Had he given up, he would have simply abandoned Jesus, perhaps lashed out about him to his friends and simply tried to find a way out of this this terrible situation he finds himself in. Somewhere in the midst of the darkness, with the heavy heart of a man who's cut off and alone and facing an uncertain future, his memory still recalls that day in the Jordan River when he heard the voice of the Father calling Jesus his beloved son. It might seem like a distant memory at that moment. It might seem far removed from where he's wondering, was that a dream or did that really happen? But that memory still resonates in his heart. John still believes. As hard as it might be in that situation, he still believes. And rather than closing in on himself and letting the fears and the doubts continue to eat away and his faith and his belief and his trust in Jesus, what does John do? He shares his pain. He shares his fears and his doubts with his friends and his followers, telling them to do what? To go to Jesus. To ask the question, Jesus, are you the one? And what an amazing, beautiful, hope-filled response Jesus gives to them. No parables. No dodging, no short answers. He says, go tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight. 
The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Jesus is ushering in a new era. He proclaims to John and to all who will listen how the world is changing. God has come and remains with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And yes, with that arrival, all creation is being renewed. John might not feel it at that moment, and we might not either. If either we ourselves or people we know are suffering or in pain or feeling lost and feeling without hope. But the good news is that those are not the end of any of our stories. As messed up, as painful as that dark night you are going through might be right now, as terrible or scared or afraid as we might be, the call of Advent is to not give up. Jesus is the one. And the very fact that we're here is because people have experienced some of that renewal, that recreation. And that's why we're encouraged to rejoice this Sunday at what has already been experienced in the world. To not let the waiting for our darkness to disappear and to not let the ongoing trials we face to prevent us from going to Jesus ourselves. St. James, in that second reading today, said, You must be patient. Make your hearts firm because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do we still believe that He is the one? Can we open our hearts to welcome him in? Are we willing to wait, wait for him to, to change us and to renew us and to heal us? Because in ways we don't expect or sometimes appreciate, he will if we let him.